Welcome to the Principles of Success, interviewing the experts. And today I am with Noah from Hollow Fleece. So Noah, if you could real quick kind of tell us what Hollow Fleece is. Sure. Um, Hollow Fleece is an alpaca clothing brand that was started last year. And right now we just make socks, but we will soon be getting hats and we want to move to base layers pretty soon. Very nice. And what may I'll, I'd like to ask you about why this particular business, but first, what made you want to start a, a business in the first place? So I've been wanting to start a business since pretty much as long as I can remember. So when I turned 16, I just started listening to audiobook after audiobook, and it just, <clears throat> I really just couldn't stop. And I pretty much listened to every audiobook about business that I could until I was probably 18 or 19 years old and was finally like, all right, well, you can only learn so much. You have to actually go and do something. So my wife, my girlfriend at the time, and I, we started a, uh, like a leather business because we thought that that would be real fun and we'd be able to make some money because leather products sell for a lot of money. But getting your name out there in leather was not the easiest thing and it's very time consuming. So that didn't end up panning out for us, but we did learn quite a few things in the process of that business. That was probably my first failed venture. Okay. That kind of, that's actually pretty similar to how I got started. I my version of that same story is I always wanted to have a business. I started reading a lot of audiobooks and then I tried to start a uh marketing agency for restaurants and it was doing decently, but I decided to start it just before COVID hit. And marketing for restaurants during COVID didn't work out too well. And I yeah, realized, I, I, I really, mean, I can imagine. Yeah. And I realized I didn't particularly like doing that particular business. So I never bothered starting it back up after COVID. But sure. pretty similar stories. So why alpaca clothes? So my wife and I, we started getting into camping uh, shortly after we moved to Colorado. And we just wanted to do something, you know, outdoorsy, start camping, hiking, doing all that kind of stuff. And we went camping for the first time in like mid-September. So it was starting to get cold. And that was just when our rooftop tent arrived. So we we're like, well, you know, we got to go test, test out the tent. So we went and stayed in Glenwood Canyon. Um, it's about halfway through the state on I-70. And it was freezing. And everybody that I talked to, they're like, oh, you know, you need to wear wool. Wool is going to keep you warm. It's going to keep you dry. And you're going to be, you know, able to stay out in the weather and, you know, not freeze. So I had, you know, different types of socks, darn tough, smart wool. And I brought probably, probably four pairs with me. And no matter which pair of sock I wore, I just wasn't satisfied with the result that people were promising they were promising that i wasn't going to be cold that i wasn't going to be wet and i was and i was like there has to be something better so on our way out there we actually passed an alpaca farm 
And I was like, what do they use alpacas for? Because I've never seen anybody eat an alpaca. I've never heard of that. I was like, mm-hmm. they produce like a wool, like a sheep. So they have, they have to be used for clothing. So I started doing some research and I found that <clears throat> alpaca was three times warmer than merino wool. And it was softer and it had a higher uh, tensile strength so it's a stronger material and I was like why isn't there any like major alpaca clothing brands that make socks or hats or base layers or whatever um so I started doing some research and there were a couple companies out there and I bought some of their socks and they were 40 I want to say 45 ish dollars a pair and they were just really bulky and clunky and I was like somebody has to be able to make something better than this. And I tried a couple other ones and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. So I started sourcing the material and trying to find a manufacturer sourcing the material. I get all my yarn from Peru. That was probably a lot easier than finding a manufacturer in the United States that would work with me because American manufacturers are very picky about who they work with. Can you actually kind of go more into depth on finding a manufacturer? That sounds interesting and not something I've had to deal with in my business life yet. So I went a lot of different routes. There's a couple, I'm going to say businesses kind of like Alibaba where for American manufacturing, but they don't really tell you how to connect with them. You can't manage them on the platform. They just tell you that they exist. So I was like, okay, well, how am I going to get in contact with these people? And so I started looking up states where textile was, you know, a big industry because growing up in Alaska, there's not a lot of textile manufacturers there. So, and there's not very many in Colorado either. So I just started Googling states with large textile industries and it's mostly on the East coast, but there are some in Minnesota as well. So I just started calling manufacturers in North and South Carolina mostly, but I also contacted people in Vermont, Massachusetts, just all over and ended up getting a manufacturer that I use, um, high rock hosiery mills. And they do a great job manufacturing my socks. They, um take care of me and make sure that everything's good to go before we start full production you know it it is what i want which is pretty typical in a manufacturer but no american manufacturer likes to work with a small business with a low amount of capital they want you to pay them up front and i'm supplying my own yarn from peru so i have to import that myself and the total time that it took me to source the material and find a manufacturer was probably about three months of calling and just figuring out where you can get the material and then finding somewhere to have it made. Yeah. Yep. Sounds like a fun little ordeal. Making phone calls all the time is so much fun. Uh, But you got it all set up. You got the socks and uh, I'm going to talk to listeners for a sec. Uh, He actually reached out to me and uh sent me a couple of socks and i've got to admit uh i grew up very poor so i grew up on the cheap walmart socks 
And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll accept the free socks, but I really don't care too much about wool socks. Well, over the last couple of months since Noah sent them to me, I have started wearing them more and more. Every time I go hiking now, I'm wearing my alpaca wool socks. They are much nicer to the feet when you're hiking. And so it's pretty enjoyable. So he makes a pretty high quality sock. Um, and actually, speaking of hiking, uh, you you live in Colorado. That's actually where I was born. Have you ever hiked uh, in Frisco, Colorado? There's a mountain called uh, Mount Royal, and I really enjoy that one. So I haven't had a chance to hike Mount Royal yet. I'm trying to do Pikes Peak first because it's the closest 14er to mm -hmm. me. And I just haven't had a chance to go out and do it yet. You know, you, you don't want to go out with improper gear. So I went and got some hiking shoes, boots, right. <clears throat> and, you know, I have my hydro flask backpack and then winter kind of hit before. And I wasn't, I wasn't ready to go ice climbing. No. That didn't sound too fun to me. So I was just like, eh, I'll just put it off till next year. And now it's this year and my wife and I are expecting. So it's hard to take an entire day away from my wife where I could be helping her do some things and go just to go hike a mountain. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. But uh, so wool socks will keep you warm in the winter. Uh, and I've also heard something along the lines of that they'll actually help keep you your feet cooler in the summer. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about there? Yeah. So the moisture wicking capabilities of wool or alpaca, it does help keep your body cooler. My sock is not a cool sock, is how I'm going to phrase it. It is made for colder temperatures where you're going to be in the fall, maybe early spring in the mountains or, you know, anywhere in the United States that it gets cold, which is most places, it's going to keep your foot protected from getting, you know, I mean, it's not a huge issue here, but trench foot is something that does plague our soldiers, right? When they're running around doing whatever and their foot is stuck in their boot for days at a time and they get trench foot and it's terrible. Alpaca and wool, um, they are naturally antimicrobial, but the problem with wool is that they use a process called superwashing, where they stick it through a, um, a chlorine bath to burn the follicle down to a finer hair to make it wearable. And that's where Smart Wool and Darn Tough and all those large wool companies, that's how they produce their sock. Because if you, I don't know if you remember when you were a kid and your parents would throw a wool sweater on you and you're itching and it's uncomfortable and you just want to take it off. Mm -hmm. That's natural wool. That's actually what's going to keep you warmer and it's going to have that antimicrobial properties, but to make wool wearable to where it's comfortable, you have to put it through that super washing process. But with alpaca, you don't have to do that. The hair is naturally very smooth and it's finer than a sheep's wool. I'm going to say 90% of the time as the animal gets older, it produces a rougher hair, but all of the fleece that I use from the alpaca 
is all baby grade alpaca and i use the baby surrey um alpaca it's kind of like breeds of dogs like there's german shepherds and there's dobermans yeah and with alpaca there's the hakuna and the surrey alpaca the hakuna they grow curly hair and it kind of all sticks together in one bunch on their body it uh-huh. makes them look real puffy um the surrey alpaca grows long straight hairs so the softness on them is supposed to be softer than the hakuna alpaca and i will say these socks are very soft so i've quite enjoyed them so as a small business man now that you've got your manufacturing and your supplies kind of set up now that you're actually in operations what are you noticing uh as some of the biggest difficulties that you have to deal with so probably my my biggest difficulty <clears throat> that i face on a regular basis is i mean now it is summer so summer sales are slower for me because it's more of a fall winter maybe early spring product and not a lot of people are looking for a warmer sock in the summer it just doesn't make sense but i feel like i have to convince people that it's better because the narrative has been told for so long you go to any sporting goods store and they tell you hey you want to wear a wool sock you want to wear sheep so i'm trying to I find myself fighting that narrative of people saying, well, it's not better than smart. Well, it's not better than darn tough. Right. <clears throat> and to overcome those challenges, um, I would say that Alex Ramosi's book, um, hundred million dollar offers helped me the most. So he talks about how you want to create a grand slam offer. So my offer to my customers is that our socks have a lifetime warranty. So if they wear out at any point, from you wearing the sock, you're going to be able to contact us or contact the retail store that you purchased them from and get a new pair, no problem. And if you buy off my website, I offer a 110% money back guarantee um, limit on two pairs. For So if the socks are $30 and you bought one pair, I'll give you $33 if they're not softer and warmer than um the regular wool socks yeah yes well that that makes sense and that is a good important idea to hold on to that grand slam offer is very important and by the way guys we have a um special discount for you guys and we'll talk about that more in just a sec but being able to get those customers is always a challenge is what I've seen. And like you were talking about in your particular case, you have to fight the narrative that's been being programmed into people's minds about how things work. What are some of the strategies that you've used to kind of help show that your product is better um mostly it's contacting influencers like yourself to make a video help me get my brand out there 
and tell people, you know, hey, this is a softer sock. This is a better sock. I'd rather wear a hollow fleece alpaca sock than a darn tough. And I think that that's saying a lot for a lot of mountaineers, especially because darn tough is just such a huge brand in the mountain states that people are just so they're just holding on to it so much because they just absolutely love them. Right. They also offer a lifetime warranty on their socks. They're made in the United States. All of their products are sourced from the United States. It's a great company. I'm not going to say that it's not. I've worn darn tough and they're great. But I was disappointed on how they performed in the severe cold. So I was focused on making something that's different and better than my competition. Yeah. Different and better is always good. <laughs> yeah. We can always use slightly better products. And uh, I will freely admit, I already admitted that I really was not too sold on the socks themselves at first. Um, in fact, last Christmas, two Christmases ago, I was actually given a bunch of wool socks as Christmas presents because I'd asked for some wool socks because I wanted to do some winter camping. And then I never got around to doing the winter camping. Well, I've worn the hollow fleece socks more than the rest of the wool socks combined because, like I said, I really didn't care too much if it was wool or cotton. And then I'm like, wow, these socks are really nice. These are soft. I enjoy these. So thank you for making a very good sock. Thank um, you. Let's talk about books for a little bit. Before we start the episode, I, I asked if you had any book recommendations. You already mentioned one. Um, what is your favorite book? My favorite book is probably Creativity, Inc. And I have not actually read that one. So what's that one about? So it's actually the story of how Pixar was started. Okay. And the i'm gonna say he's the ceo but i don't know if he's the ceo or not anymore he talks about how how do you create a blockbuster film every time right and up until pretty recently i can't really name a poorly performing pixar movie up until probably buzz lightyear uh-huh um, and that was, I think, for political reasons, because they threw themselves into like a political arena. And I don't think that they should have done that. I think they should have just kept making Pixar movies that people have always loved. And Steve Jobs is actually heavily involved with Pixar. He said, when eventually you're going to create a movie that's not going to perform. And he said, what are you going to do when it finally doesn't? So. It talks a lot about how thinking differently, right? Steve Jobs and being a creative problem solver can help you create the best of the best. So I love that book. It's just, it's such a great story that you just want to listen to it again. And he just goes into so much detail on how they create the movies, all the people involved, and how they get their people to absolutely love working for Pixar. <clears throat> and they produce a lot of good things, I would say, over the whole time of Pixar. And 
I feel like recently they've just kind of thrown that out for trying to be political. Yeah. So, so what was your big takeaway from that book? Um, just to take great pride in what you do and don't ever give anything less than at least 100%. If you're going to do something, you have to go all in. And you have to create the vision for the other people that will eventually work for you that are going to be a partner in your business. Because if you can create a good atmosphere and a good working environment where you as well as your employees are all focused on creating a something that's bigger than any of us, your company will be successful. It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Yeah. Okay, so... As a business owner, um, talking to the people who are just trying to get started as they're, they're just beginning to have the idea of starting their own business, what would be your advice? My advice is to, I really like having a physical product brand, personally. I've tried doing some service-based businesses and I wasn't a fan of that. You have to interact with so many people and everybody wants something else. When you're selling a product, you're selling one thing to a bunch of people. Mm. You don't have to interact with them in a level that's going to be all nitty gritty. They talk to you and you say, yeah, you know, I'm interested in your life. I want to know what you do and I want to create something that you can use. And so from all the feedback that I've gotten from talking to people, I've created this sock and then I sell that sock and they're thankful. They feel like they've been given something. And I'd say that is one of the biggest things that I've been able to do is I feel like I've been able to help people do more outside than I would be able to in like a service-based industry. Um, and I would also say that selling one high quality product is just as hard as selling. Let me rephrase that. It's harder to sell 100 really cheap products than it is to sell one high quality product. Mm -hmm. There's no advantage to being the second most expensive. None yeah. at all. Nobody says, give me the second most expensive car that nobody wants the second most expensive car. Everybody that I've ever heard talk about cars, they love Lamborghini, Ferrari, they love Porsche. Nobody is ever saying, oh, you know, my dream car is a Ford Fiesta. Yeah. So if you're going to go and create a physical product, create the best physical product that you can and sell it for a premium because you're going to be able to stand behind it with a good warranty, with 110% money back guarantee with all these things because you're making enough money on each product to be able to afford those things. If I was to create a sock and it was, I could go to China and get a sock made for $3 a piece. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I could sell them for $10 or $12, but there's no advantage of doing that. It's easier to go and get a hundred people to say yes, whether it's a $12 sock or a $30 sock. There's no difference there. Yeah. And 
I'll take it a step further. It's easier to go to a retail store and sell 5,000 pairs to a retail chain than it is to sell 5,000 individual pairs to 5,000 different people. Yeah, that's, that's pretty fair. And actually, that reminded me of a quote that I really like. And it's, um, it's about going deep with customers, not just wide. And it's, uh, it's a lot easier to get um, 100 customers to spend $1,000 with you than it is to get 1,000 customers to spend $100 with you. And the story behind that is uh, it was a farmer and he was talking about why are you selling just one cheap product and trying to make all of your money from that? And he was talking about having multiple physical products. Like you're talking about how you're going to have some hats soon and some uh, clothes liners. And by just going deeper with those customers, you're able to maximize their benefit and it is easier for you to sell to an existing customer than it is to constantly be trying to find new customers to buy your cheap, dinky product. And you have to find new ones because the previous ones weren't too satisfied. But if you make a quality product, they are more, um, they are ecstatic to purchase from you again because they've already bought from you and they've liked the product before. Right. And I'd say that's probably the biggest key is to creating a product that people like, that they're going to come back to you over and over and over again. And I will say sometimes I am envious of like food or supplement brands because you run out of food. You have to buy more food. Yeah. So sometimes it is easier to create a food product and have people come back for the food because everybody has to eat something Yeah. or a supplement where people are taking, you know, they're taking a, a meat-based protein, right? Yeah. So they're taking that <clears throat> over and over and over again, and they have to buy more sooner. When people buy a pair of socks from me, yes, they do come back and buy more pairs of socks because they like the sock. Yeah. But how often do you buy socks? Especially when you have a lifetime guarantee on those socks. Right. So. So. There is that, but I'm happy to offer my customers a lifetime guarantee for $30. Yep. I think that they should have a lifetime guarantee. Yep. And they're nice socks. So I think that's a very fair price. And actually that's a great time to bring in the promo. So we got together and uh, I was able to get, it was 15% off, correct? Yes. It's 15% off. And you also get to support uh, Nathan. So that's always great. Okay. So would you like to tell the listeners on how to go and purchase your sock? So the easiest way to purchase my sock is from my website. Um, we are carried in a few retail, store, retail stores here in Colorado, but you can't get the discount that way. So you go to hollowfleece.com and you use the discount code Nathan Dickinson, and you're able to get 15% off your socks. Yep. And it's just my name. You punch it in in the discount section, and then you'll get 15% off the socks. And like I've said multiple times throughout this episode, they're pretty nice socks. I'm a pretty big fan of them. Well, Noah, I, 
Is there any other advice you'd give to people that are wanting to be successful just in life in general, not even necessarily necessarily business, just people who want to be successful? Um, I'd probably say that people in life that want to be successful, I feel like they, a lot of time, I'm guilty of this too. They'll put something off for a year or two years and they'll say, well, you know, I'm still young. I still have time to do this. Well, time's not your friend. You have to just go out and start, you have to start a business. You have to go and take those, you know, camping trips. You got to go hiking. You got, you can't live your life saying, well, someday I'll be able to do that because someday might never come and you'll either be too old or something horrible could happen. You could get in a car accident and then it's too late. And you're like, what was I so busy doing for all those years? And I'd say that's probably the biggest piece of advice that I could give anybody is just to go out and try, try to do whatever brings you happiness. Yeah. Just starting is so important. In fact, I don't think I've mentioned it in quite a while, but this podcast, I procrastinated start, starting this podcast for years. And the reason why I didn't start it is because I was like, well, it's not going to be good when I first start it. So to get around that, I literally created a season zero and it was bad. But I got started by just actually starting doing it. Like season zero never made it onto the air. I just recorded the episodes and I was like, yep, those are trash. But now that I've done them, I actually know somewhat what I'm doing. And over the years, you improve and you get better. And if you hadn't started before, you'd still have to do all of that growth to get to where you are. And you're older now. That's so, exactly right. So thank you, Noah. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, if you guys would like to purchase his sock, go go to hollowfleece.com and it will I'll have a link in the description. Uh any last thoughts, Noah? Uh no, I think that's it. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I definitely appreciate it. Well, it's always a pleasure to have people on. And with that, I will see you guys next week.